Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Thursday, November the 16th, and welcome to our commentary. I think I'm finally getting over this cold that I've been fighting here over the last few days. Hopefully, my voice is a little bit better, my demeanor a little bit better, but I got a bad one here for the last two or three days, and from, from what I understand, talking to other people, it's going around. It's going around North Texas, so I, it just happened to hit me in the last uh, few days. So be careful out there. As my mother used to say, drink a lot of vitamin C or take a lot of vitamin C. That's supposed to be good uh, to protect you from these colds. Just a quick uh, heads up. I have a post over at the American Thinker Thursday morning. You can read it at the American Thinker and it has to do with the Beatles. You know, the Beatles, um, there's a new song that came out and it's uh, not actually a new song. It was recorded. It was a demo that was recorded at the end of the 70s by John Lennon. And they took it out and they turned it into a song. And it's being promoted as the last song by the Beatles. Uh, I didn't like it, honestly. And I'm a huge Beatles fan. I just didn't like it. I didn't think it was that good. I thought it was kind of flat. But, uh, you know, if you want to go and go ahead and buy it, that's your your choice. But I think that, frankly, I, I think sometimes it's better just to leave things the way they are. And there is so much material from the Beatles that we can remember and all these CDs and albums uh, that we've collected over the years that I just think it would have been better if they had just left everything the way it was and uh, left us with the memories. But uh, I guess they decided to to pull out something from the archives and turn it into a new song. And if you like it, that's great. I just didn't think it was uh, that good. But let me begin today. Let me begin our conversation today by referring to Univision. Now, Univision, for those of you who are not familiar, there are two major Spanish-speaking networks in the United States, Univision and Telemundo. Univision, I believe, has a history to Mexico. At one time, it was Televisa, uh, the major network from Mexico. The other one, Telemundo, which is more, I believe, it was originally out of Miami. So they're both national, but I think that's that's their history. And Univision, over the last few years, has had a very hostile attitude toward President Trump. I mean, you can just see it in the coverage. You can see it in the in the news reporting. But apparently some people at Univision are angry. In fact, uh, the news anchor, one of their news anchors, I don't know if he's the primary anchor or one of the news anchors, decided to resign yesterday because he thought uh, the network was being too nice to Trump. I guess they had an interview with Trump and the interview wasn't, uh, you know, jumping all over Trump. They actually gave Trump an opportunity to answer questions. And uh, I didn't see the entire interview, but some of the clips 
I've seen show a little bit more respect for Trump in that uh, interview than from what I've seen before. I think the other interviews in the past have been awfully hostile to uh, to President Trump, but this one seems to be a little bit more professional, and at least they're they're letting President Trump answer questions and so on. And apparently one of the news anchors decided to quit because he thought the network network was moving or shifting toward Trump. I don't get this. I don't get this at all. I would think that if you're a major news work, news organization or news network, that you would want to interview President Trump. After all, he could be the next president of the United States. If you follow the polling data, it certainly looks like he will be the next president of the United States. So you would think that a major network like Univision would love an opportunity to sit down with the next president or potentially the next president of the United States for an interview and be able to conduct a professional interview without any of the hostility that we have seen in the past. Well, apparently that doesn't work for this news anchor. And uh, I guess there's a bunch of people angry at Univision that somehow the network is somehow you know, walking away from the Democrats. I don't think that's the case at all. I think there's a couple of things going on at Univision. The first one is economic reality. Look, if you're a major network and you become associated with one party or the other, that's going to cost you in the audience. Because after all, we live in a divided country. And if you upset half of the country, then the other half is not going to tune you in. Just look at CNN. For the best example of what I just said is CNN. CNN turned off half of the country, so their audience thinks because nobody watches CNN because half of the country doesn't like it because of the way they treated Trump. So I'm glad to see that Univision doesn't want to fall into that trap of being, let's say, the Spanish CNN or the Spanish anti-Trump network, and uh, they've decided to at least be more open to uh, conversations uh, with Trump. The other, the other is that they must be reading the same polls that I'm reading that show that uh, President Trump is actually gaining with Hispanics. So if you're a, a Spanish news network and you want to be able to reach a broad audience, but not only reach a big audience, but also represent or at least present to that audience news that they want to see or report that they want to see, you have to accept the reality that President Trump is garner, you know, garnering more and more support from the Hispanic community. So you have to present that in your coverage. You've got to say, look, this man, uh, you know, could very well be, you know, getting percentages from the Hispanic community that nobody saw coming a few years ago. So, you know, it's probably a combination of all these things, I'm guessing. I haven't talked to anybody there, but it's probably a combination of these things. Economic reality, they don't want to be the anti-Trump network. And on the other hand, a political reality, that the political arena is changing and that more Hispanics favor Trump than uh, ever before. So somehow something is happening at Univision. And I am a little surprised that this man would resign from his job. It's just surprising to me that he would. I mean, what exactly was he expecting in the interview? I saw a little bit of the interview, and what I saw was a respectful correspondent or reporter asking Trump some questions. What's wrong with that? That's what I saw in the interview. By the way, this is a story that is going to be developing, and we'll be learning a lot more about this over the next few days. But it it is fascinating to me that this kind of information would be coming from Univision. I don't know anything about the national Univision. The only exposure I've ever had to Univision is here locally. 
and they've always treated me very well. I want to make sure that's clear. They've always treated me very well whenever they've interviewed me. The local people here in Dallas, whenever they've spoken to me, they've been very good and very professional with me. So I don't have any complaints, but I know that uh, many Republicans have had complaints over the years uh, with the national, national Univision. Well, let's talk a little bit about President Biden and China and San Francisco. Look, if you saw that press conference, you can certainly understand why the White House doesn't want this man to be answering questions. I mean, he looks completely, I mean, he looks unsettled whenever he's behind the microphone. He looks like a man who doesn't know what he's going to say next, and he's got to look at his notes to, to say anything. This is not a good image for the president of the United States. And if you want to see why so many Democrats are concerned about him, this is, this is why they're concerned about him, because he looks lost. He looks befuddled whenever he's uh, in front of, of the microphone. I mean, it is frightening. It's frightening. And then he goes off track. Like yesterday, he was out, started telling stories of two kids close to where he lives who apparently died of fentanyl. What's that all about? Are these kids who live by the White House? I mean, what's he talking about? So it is, uh, it, it, it is very befuddling to watch uh, the president of the United States behind a microphone. It's scary, which makes you understand now why, you know, the White House doesn't like to put him in, in front of the in front of the media. Well, a big story, uh, a big story coming, this is out of the, the baseball business. Uh, the Oakland A's are going to be moving to Vegas. Now, it's not going to be next year. It's actually going to be effective. I think it's 2025, but their stadium is not going to be ready till 2027. So they're going to have to play in a couple of parks in 2025 and 2026 before the new stadium is open in 2027. That's going to be awfully chaotic for the fans and awfully chaotic for the team. I think what the baseball should do is try to work out something with the city of Oakland where there's a deal, there's a lease that they have for 2024. Try to do something, buy out the lease or do something to get them out of Oakland as soon as possible and put them in Vegas. Even if they have to play in a minor league park for the next couple of years, at least they're going to be there and they're going to be building a fan base. But this idea that the Oakland A's or the Las Vegas A's are going to be playing in Oakland, and the stadium is not going to be ready to 2027. I just think that's going to create a little confusion, not the kind of confusion that that team or the fan base uh, needs heading to heading to a new season. Look, I I feel I always feel bad for the fans who lose a major league team. It's always a bad situation, but frankly, the city of Oakland has had opportunities to keep the A's. And they have not been able to do it. Part of the problem is the leadership in that city. I mean, Oakland, like a lot of these California cities, are very poorly run, very poorly managed. They're crime-written. I mean, the crime in Oakland is absolutely pathetic. And at some point, you know, the team is going to leave. And I think that's what happened in Oakland. But I understand. I understand some of the loyal fans may feel like they're being cheated. And, and I understand that feeling. But there just weren't enough of them, frankly, to keep the team there. They weren't showing up at the stadium. And uh, at some point, you got to pay your bills. And you're not going to be paying your bills averaging 10,000 people a game. I mean, it's simply not going to, not going to, uh, to make it. I've got a post uh, coming out uh, Friday morning regarding this new law that the governor of Texas is going to sign and basically makes it illegal for, some, for someone to cross the border into texas and we're going to get into a lot of this law on friday when we chat with our friend george rodriguez
But Mexico is already complaining about the law. And Mexico is saying that this could harm some Mexicans in Texas. Well, no, it's not going to harm anybody in, in Texas. Because if you're a Mexican citizen or a Mexican national and you're legally in Texas, nothing's going to happen to you. This law only applies to people who cross the border. Now, Mexico could stop that. They could work with the United States to stop these people crossing the border, but they don't. So if maybe Mexico can stop many of these people from crossing the border by maybe getting a little tighter on their side of the border. But, you know, I understand why Texas is doing it, because these uh, the situation on the border is costing millions of dollars. Just ask uh, the governor of Massachusetts or the mayor of New York or the mayor of Chicago. Just ask him what a mess uh, all of these migrants have created for for these uh, these uh, cities. And today, our little history point today, on this day in 1907, that's 116 years ago, the state of Oklahoma became number 46 in the Union. So Oklahoma joined the Union on this day in 1907. You know, that doesn't seem like a long time ago, 116 years, 1907. And that was number 46, which means that number 47 and number 48 were still coming. I guess that was New Mexico and Arizona that came about in the next 20 years or so. And then we were 48, and then, of course, we were 50 when Alaska and Hawaii came in in 1959. So 107 years ago, or 116 years ago, the state of Oklahoma became number 46. Of course, Oklahoma, our neighbor to the north, and uh, one of the really one of the most amazing places to visit. Uh, there's just a lot to see up in the state of Oklahoma. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas. And we will talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.